The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Bringing ourselves into the moment by tuning into the experience in the body because sensations are only happening in the present moment. Right? Touch only happens here. Right? So the body is such a great doorway out of the mind and into life. I'll put it that way. Then the third week we talked about emotions and we practiced with emotions. We talked about being the riverbed and allowing emotions to move through us like the water moves through a river. And sometimes we are a small riverbed and sometimes we can be wide and broad and allow pretty much anything to flow through us. But to practice with that and the idea that emotions are, you know, if we measure, when they measure them and they look at the biochemical makeup of an emotion, it lasts for 60 seconds, 120, 160 seconds, something like that is about the lifespan of an individual emotion. It's different than a mood state. Mood states are more prolonged. But individual emotions, unless we feed them and refuel them, re-trigger them, they have a short, shortish lifespan. You can hear my muffledness. Is that any better? Yeah, okay. Um, and we talked about, you know, practicing with, you know, to- how much we can tolerate practicing letting different experiences move through us like that riverbed. And maybe we can't do it for a long time, but for short periods of time, trying to just practice letting things flow through, letting them move. Then last week we brought up thinking, mindfulness of thinking. And uh, we talked about that there's different ways of thinking. There's a narrative thinking where we're talking to ourselves. Some people actually see words. Some people think a lot in images. Some people um, have sort of mini movies playing all the time where they can see a lot of stuff playing out in their imagination. Sometimes our thinking is more uh, subtle, um, more a little bit of a background hum, a little bit of a, you know, like there's this feeling of something's working in us. So sometimes our thoughts aren't so visible or clear or audible, depending on how we think. And there also can be uh, a way of thinking that's like holding a view or holding a belief. Like, I should be doing something right now. So if we're, if we're kind of walking around with this idea, I should be doing it better, I should be doing something, it's a way of, of thinking that can generate a lot of activity. And um, if we think we need to be doing something, it also can proliferate into a lot of other thoughts about what I should be doing. Yeah? Another thing that we talked about is that... Um, I'm not my thoughts. It's part of our experience. Just like 
sensations, just like sounds, just like emotions, things come up and come into our experience. And that it's possible to know these experiences, to be the knower instead of the thoughter or the thinker. Yeah. Another thing we talked about as helpful is using a light noting practice. So if we're trying to attend to the breath in, out would be an example of a simple noting. We also might think about um, naming, oh, planning. So we don't want to get elaborate in our noting. We want it simple. We don't want to get caught up in the noting thinking. We just want that, oh, there's a, there's a human <laughs> kind of thing. Oh, there's a thought. Oh, and if it has a lot of energy, uh, last week in the meditation, Koto talked about the ships, right? This idea that we've got this warship, <laughs> you know, and then we've got the, the dance ship and the, you know, all these things, these kind of big thoughts that come through. And so you can just kind of name the theme of them, right, and see them. Koto, is there anything you would want to add to a, our last session summary of? Yeah, that, um, that covered a lot of ground. I think one thing we've emphasized a lot that bears repeating is that uh, all aspects of experience can be included in mindfulness practice. Um, at its best with with mindfulness practice nothing needs to be left out nothing that has arisen has gone wrong and uh, a corollary of that is that um, mindfulness practice is impossible to fail at (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah just practicing over and over in this, this simple capacity of attention in all the ways that Tanya was talking about and we've talked about over these several weeks. Uh, everything gets to be included. And that's a great segue to tonight. So I'll say something and then we'll go back to this. But this idea, we've been breaking up our experience and what we're attending to. But it's not that everything else is stopping, right? We're, we're just trying to kind of get more intimately connected to the certain kinds of experiences and that they're all kind of actually distinct in some ways and then they get really kind of tangled up together. Um, And so tonight we'll do a practice that invites you with this idea of having that anchor to step back and once you get kind of settled to let different things come up and to be mindful of them and not to be working to just track thinking or emotions or the body or breathing. So before we do that, we want to give some time for reflection on your homework, your practice this last week. Um, what did you notice? Was there anything that you know came up, um, you know, as you were working with thinking that you know you were able to pull up some of the stuff that we talked about in class and have it support you? Anything you struggled with? I'm hoping you are sitting, even if it's a little bit, you know, most days. So 
Does anybody have anything they want to share or ask? Great. The volume. Loved a little bit. Is it green? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Hello. Okay, much better. Thanks. Um, I feel grateful that um, that's um, another tool that I've been conscious of using is uh, being mindful of my thoughts or noticing if I'm thinking. And I think that um, it's helping me to feel more free. Because uh, when I notice that I'm thinking, then I can go back to a space of just feeling the feeling in my chest or feeling feelings in my heart or my torso. And um, yeah, I feel like it's peaceful and I can be free from thinking at least for some time. So yeah, I appreciate you teaching us that. Great. I always I this happiness. Happiness is here. <laughs> That's great. Anyone else? It doesn't have to be great news. You can also share what's not working or an instruction. They were like, Tanya, what were you talking about? You know, it's all it's all welcome. So very close. Oh, because of the mask, I guess. I noticed that I don't meditate with a mask on very often. So I noticed that it's a different experience with the whole focusing on the breath thing and having it feel warm against your... It's just different. So I'm appreciating the opportunity to learn other things to focus on other than just the breath because of course that's the first thing we learn right is focus on the breath but focusing on the breath can make me feel hot and you know (laughs) uncomfortable so I, I am appreciating learning how to use other things to focus on Great. What have you found helpful, Tracy? Is there something else that you've, you know? Uh, so, uh, number one, opening my eyes makes a difference. And, and that just seems counterintuitive to everything that you're taught about meditation. But what I did last week when I was feeling that way is opened my eyes and focused on this sky and trees and window. Uh, which helped me feel less warm and I don't know it's it's a strange thing for me to meditate with a mask on let's just put it that way yeah <laughs> thank you tracy anybody else Anything you want to say before I move to the next? I don't think so. Okay. Okay. So um, 
I'm going to talk about a couple of things leading into kind of how to work with open awareness um, practice. And we talked about one of the things that we talked about when you talked about mindfulness of the body was um, the idea of watching like um, a, a football game without a narrator turning the sound off, right? So this idea of how to be with our direct experience without doing a lot of adding perceptions and narrating, kind of trying to be more simple and direct, right? And that's very helpful. Um, it's very helpful to do that. It keeps everything a little bit more simple. Um, but, you know, our minds our minds construct things. So I, I, um, I brought a flower to share with you tonight. And... Um, no, it's a it's it's a pretty enough flower, right? And um, you know, just sort of get to enjoy this beautiful little flower, yeah. And just take it in for a minute, see what you notice about it, how much you like it, or you know, yeah. So I have this flower, and I also have this flower. So when I bring this flower up, how does it affect how you see this flower? Does this flower become more beautiful, less beautiful? Does this flower become a big flower and this one becomes a small flower? Right? So how, you know, the color, oh, that's a vibrant pink. That's kind of a dull pink. Whereas this was just pink before, right? Yeah. And then I also have this flower. And so does this flower still seem big when I have this flower? It might. It might not. All of a sudden maybe this flower seems like, oh, it's just a lot of little flowers. But it was big before. And this seemed quite vibrant perhaps and now maybe it seems muted so this happens automatically and all the time and if I had just brought this flower up and shared it with you and talked about how beautiful it was you probably would have just been right along with me for the ride yeah and now Seeing these, is it a little bit hard to be excited about this one? <laughs> not, you know, not because we don't want to be, but it, it, it's when we start to cluster and compare, the mind is automatically creating little hierarchies and valuing this more than another and having these thoughts. And, oh, well, this one, well, you can see it's kind of old, you know, all of this extra, extra stuff. So this is a, an example of that narration that happens in the mind and how much it can really change our experience of the same thing. One minute something can be remarkable and the next not worthy of any attention at all just because of a subtle shift or a comparison 
or a narration, a way that we're talking about it all of a sudden and describing it in our own minds. So the opposite is just trying to be with the direct experience in this really simple way. That's why it's so good to just do the simple noting. Coolness, warmth, sound, instead of annoying car alarm going on out there. How dare they do that? What's the sound pollution's going on, right? It can just be sound. Or it can be this whole other thing. And if we can let it just be sound, there's probably a lot less suffering, certainly less aversion. And if it was sound that I liked, it might be that I'm I'm not having as much greed or desire. Right? There we go. Hi, sound. (laughs) Sound arising. (laughs) All right. So, um, with this open awareness practice, let's see, I'm just needing to orient to time here. Okay, let me talk about a few things first. More things. So, when you, you know, you've been coming now, most of you, right? Everybody's been here. Um, and you've been practicing. And uh, do you feel more mindful than you did when you started? Yes? Does anybody feel like you're not sure? Yeah. Sometimes we feel less mindful. And do you know why that might be? We're actually more aware of all the extra stuff that's happening. We're more aware of all this added chatter and stuff that's going on. And we're trying to be mindful, and so we're struggling, and or maybe we're judging, and all this stuff makes it even kind of... We get to see what the mind, the gymnastics the mind does when it's you know comparing and wanting this instead of that. <laughs> Okay. So that's one part that we've been working on, but trust me, you are you're growing your strength. Just coming here. If you come here and you try and do the guided practices and you you're trying to track even if you're not practicing formally during the week, you are you are being changed. You are you're growing something inside of yourself. Because it's it's in us anyway. This capacity is innate. We just need to grow, strengthen it, learn it, tune into it, create more room for it. And sometimes when we practice open awareness, it can feel like, um, you know, we're. I'll just tell you now. So this, there's a, here's a great image for this practice, which is to imagine a small little cottage, one room cottage, with a door some windows, Not, no fancy anything, just a chair in the middle, a nice cozy chair, recliner a little bit. Not too cozy, you fall asleep, but, you know, something solid. And that's all that's in this room. And the practice of open awareness is like sitting down in that chair and letting things come up, like things come up to the window like you see a bird flying by, 
but you stay in the chair. You don't get up every time you see a bird out the window. You stay in the chair and you're aware bird. Thought. Emotion might come to the door and you stay in the chair. And the emotion might come in and it'll leave. But the idea is kind of letting things pop up, visit, come and go while you stay in the chair. Does that make sense? So when we're doing this practice, it might feel like there's just one thing after another after another. Every window and door is being, you know, popped into, and or it's just, you know, it can feel like that. And that's still the practice. And it also can feel like there's just this huge, vast, open space. And, you know, it's like, it's just, this is going, this is over here. Like, it can feel like there's just lots of spaciousness, not much is happening. It can feel like, you know, one can feel like, oh, that's a squirrel. Oh, there's a bird. Oh, it's a bluebird. The other one can feel more like, oh, there's something flying. You know, just, it can be very different, our experiences. So it's not like there's any right way to be aware with this practice. Okay? They're both fine. All right, how do you feel about doing a little practice? So, we'll start by finding an anchor. We'll start by getting grounded in our bodies. And that that will will give ourselves time, right, to just just settle, let the mind quiet, slow down a little bit if it wants to. So taking your time and Richard, maybe the air conditioning you wanna bump it up a little bit so it's not too too cold. Yep, I see a sweater going on. So yeah, getting comfortable. Need your sweater on, off, you know. How do you want to be sitting now? We're going to sit for about 15 minutes. So finding a posture that you feel comfortable, that you can sustain, feels awake, but settled. Like a chair where you can sit back in a little bit. You don't need to lean forward. You can just sit back just a little. And let experience start to become more clear. And so whatever your anchor is, if it's the breath, if it's sound, if it's just gazing, just getting connected to your anchor. And just noticing if there's a um, tension, any stress in the body, maybe even a holding, and you might need to Okay, I gotta lift my shoulders up. I need to roll them back. I need to take a few conscious deep breaths. We're gonna support ourselves in settling. That's part of the work of mindfulness. It's a gift we're giving ourselves to take the time. Feeling our feet, our bottoms, 
Just tuning in to what it's like to be here right now in this body, right here. Is there ease or dis-ease? And if there's dis-ease, it's okay. Give it permission to be here. Just take care of yourself. If there's ease, can you rest into it a little bit? You might just do a little brief body scan. Feeling into or breathing into places where you might be holding a little. Invitationally. Invitationally inviting a softening or relaxing. If, if that part feels so inclined... Taking as much time with each each place that you can encounter as needed. It can be helpful to just notice the forehead. Jaw. These are areas we hold a lot of tension. Sometimes we just need a little bit of a awareness, a little bit of an invitation to like, oh, it's, it's okay, eyebrows. You don't have to pinch together. Well, that's my efforting to try and be mindful. Okay, all right, relax a little bit if you'd like. And when you feel maybe settled enough, maybe tune in to the experience of hearing sounds. You might be able to hear the air conditioning, a fan, a car driving by. You might be able to hear the sound of someone else breathing or even your own breath. Sometimes there's the experience of even hearing our own heartbeats. Just receiving whatever sounds arrive in your ears. Sort of sitting back and allowing them to come to you.
Maybe bringing your awareness back to whatever your anchor is, if it's not sounds. Attending to sensations. Wherever it's easiest to stay present with them. Maybe even just thinking about like three breaths in a row, just this sort of a a surfing, the breath feeling, or sensation, or if you're using sight, it might just be, you know, the, the subtle moving of leaves. And if the timing feels right, if you feel a little bit settled, you can let go of the deliberate energy of attending to your anchor. If the breathing is still prominent, great, that's fine. But it's the letting go of the deliberate focus. It's that sitting back a little bit into the chair, broadening the awareness a little bit to allow the mind to just sort of witness the awareness to witness things as they arise and pass away. is most clear just allowing that to become the primary focus it might be a sensation or a sound an attitude there's no one kind of experience that's right or wrong Awareness can meet each experience as it arises. And mindfulness can know it directly 
in that simple way we talked about. Directly knowing. And then as whatever primary experience is happening fades away, something else may become more prominent. And you can allow your awareness to receive that. Everything can be included. Knowing it simply. Just allowing the awareness to be easeful, receptive, that sitting back in that chair, that feeling of resting back. And if you find yourself getting lost in thought or fantasy or planning, or maybe the mind becomes vague, kind of sleepy, it can be helpful to return your attention back in a little bit more effortful way to your anchor, just establishing a little more clarity, a little more connection. Or you might just try the mental noting. Just see if that helps with a little more clarity. There's two minutes left in the practice, and I just sometimes it's helpful to know, oh, can I just sit back and relax for two minutes and allow, or two breaths, and just allow the little things to appear and disappear, being simple, allowing whatever arises to arise. 
Everything can be welcomed and known. Just as the night sky is spacious, the moon can appear, stars come. Awareness can be like that too. A vast field holding it all. I'd love to hear what happened inside your mind. (laughs) Anybody willing to share? Hello, good evening. I just felt like my brain and my thoughts were just like scattered marbles and just everything was everywhere. And then just trying to anchor, you know, go back to the breath to anchor everything, but it was just so many things going on, and and then you feel kind of, I was, feel, I was feeling kind of defeated by this practice, not from what we've been doing, just, just for myself, like, oh, I let this get to me again, or I'm letting other people's thoughts invade my own, and I don't know who to listen to, or if I should, it's just... So, if I just feel so defeated right now. No, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Oh, yeah. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. Who of us can't say we've been discouraged? <laughs> um, yeah, I heard, I heard there's, a, there's a lot happening mentally, a lot of mental activity. Um, sort of two paths of inquiry come up for me. One is like, it could just be a really full day. Yeah. Could be a lot going on. And then um, what's our relationship to that? What's our relationship to um, the the mind being like a bubble machine? Just pop, 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 pop. Something else, something else that comes to mind to share with you is that as we um, as we start to practice, I heard I recently heard this lichen to like polishing a floor. If you never mop the floor, I don't know if any of you have gone through phases like this. I did when I was in college. I didn't mop the floor very much. You don't even notice when you drop something on the floor. You can't even see it. But if you frequently are polishing the floor, you'll see like the tiniest thing. So we decided, so we as a group have decided we're going to sit down 
and be aware and be attentive of what's coming up. It's like we're polishing the floor and then we see so much more. So much more. Anyway, my, my heart is with you. Please um, borrow some of my confidence if you need it. Thank you very much. Sure. So the idea of mindfulness practice is something you can't do wrong. I think I can accept that, but there's always this part of me that's thinking, well, I'm not doing it wrong, but you know, I want to I'm not getting as much of a fruitfulness out of it. Like, you know, I think I, it could be better, it could be worse. So I see that judgment coming up a lot. So it's like, yeah, you're not doing it wrong, but you're still kind of wasting your time here. You know, it's just like it just this bypasses that, and just I just start thinking like, yeah, well, you know, I, I could be doing this more fruitfully, and that's the thought coming up a lot. Yeah, yeah. I got an idea. Great. <laughs> um, yeah, my first impulse is to normalize the. Uh, the, I think part of what you're describing, like doubting, doubting if the practice is working, or like, am I doing it right, or like, what am I getting out of it? It's so normal that there's like, there's a particular Buddhist name for it. It's like so. It's so common to the meditative experience that the the name of doubt has been given to this. This whole collection of like. Oh, maybe the maybe I didn't understand the instructions, or um, who are these people telling me about this anyway? And you know, all of these um, this sort of like B side track that's going on next door to attention that's telling us about how the practice isn't going right. Um, the got a couple of ways that we can practice with this. One, I mean, the first one, you're already so attentive to it, like you you see that it's happening clearly. I know it seems counterintuitive, but that's a moment of mindfulness. Uh, it's like a, a moment of clear recognition. Just like we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, could be interesting to could be interesting to like follow the follow the path back and see if there's something in the body or some physical sensation or emotion underneath, and see if you can experience it on that level too. And then I, I think what you'll find over time is like the that B-side track may still continue to be there, but you've also got some other information about um, how things are developing or growing or changing. Yeah. Thank you. I'll just, I'll just add um, the flower story, yeah. right? So you, you describe mindfulness, a flower. Can you just be with the experience without comparing it to the other flowers, right? It's too much. I'm not, you know, like, I'm not getting, it's not good enough. (laughs) Can it just be the flower that it is without all the added? Does that make sense? Yes.
So what I noticed <clears throat> was that my body needed attention. <laughs> Once I was quiet enough to listen, yeah. I felt like my head had been scrunched up all day, and my neck and my my shoulders needed some some attention. And yeah. I wouldn't have noticed that unless I was sitting quietly and paying attention. That's what came up for me. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Could I ask, uh, how did you know? How did, uh, what language did the body use to let you know? Uh, I felt, this is going to sound strange, I felt like I had a headache in my face. Um, once I was quiet enough, I think you said something about the forehead. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I feel like I was scrunching up my forehead all day. And then once I finally said, you're scrunching up your forehead, and, you know, just tried to breathe into it and relax, then I realized, oh, and, and your neck is also <laughs> a little tense. So... Being quiet helped me to focus enough to hear that my body needed some attention. Yeah, thank you so much. Some really, really good uh, clear attentiveness there. And, and in addition to clear attentiveness, like the instinct of care, mm-hmm. that is such a thing to appreciate, instinct of care for yourself. Mm. Thank you, thank you. Um, so at the at the risk of having sort of a bummer comment, um, what I noticed uh, during this practice period was the closer I got to like open awareness or what I'm assuming is open awareness, the more I also felt like a kind of rising level of fear, just kind of like what happens like when you have like open awareness or like what other things come up. Um, so that was my experience. How did you work with that? I just kind of stuck with it, I guess. I I, I remember from like the uh, emotions um, meeting we had. It, sometimes you can just kind of like stay with it. Like, how does it feel? Like, what are the like I don't know contours of it? Like and that Great. helps, but. Fear is so powerful, right? And um, we just, it's almost like we're fear, afraid of fear itself. So it, it, it can, can grow quickly in our, our minds, you know. So um, I, I really still like that idea of having the, what are the name of those shoes with the big thick soles? <laughs> No, um, Doc Martens. Doc, Doc Martens. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, like you know, just remembering that awareness is like the Doc Martens, and if we stay grounded, you know, that the electricity of fear doesn't have to kind of keep pulsing through us, you know. And it sounds very skillful to direct your awareness toward the sensations, because the it's so much of the what feeds fear is the story 
you know, the, what we're imagining. Oh no! <laughs> and uh, so it sounds like you worked with that really skillfully. And um, it's also common for fear to come up, just to say. It's not, you know, like, it's a good thing to start to practice with. <laughs> Any, I don't know if there's anyone on YouTube writing in comments, Richard. No? Okay. All right. Anyone else want to share anything or we're good to move on? Great. So uh, I, I, one of the things I appreciate about having time for reports and Q&A is that we get to share with each other this whole array of experiences. It's like uh, it, it can really, at any given time, it can seem like a, a wildly different experience is happening, this person sitting next to me. But something that it, it highlights or emphasizes to me is um, sometimes our attention is directed to an emotion. Sometimes it's directed to a thought. Sometimes to the breathing. Sometimes to the body directly. The scope is so broad. Um, and when we're practicing this open awareness practice, you know, sometimes it feels like we can get a little scattered. And as Tanya was saying, we come back to the anchor. Come back to the anchor steady ourselves, center ourselves, calm ourselves. And when we think about extending the practice further, the same sort of motion applies. The, the meditation seat can be our anchor. It's the place we come back to, steady ourselves, settle ourselves. And the line between the edge of your meditation, say mat, if you're on a mat or a chair, and the rest of your life. It's pretty arbitrary, isn't it? Pretty arbitrary. Uh, the, the line between meditation and applying clear attention in the rest of our lives, it's pretty fuzzy. It's pretty fuzzy. What this opens up is that we can open up. We can open our practice. We can extend it. We can move it into the rest of our lives. Really common for um, people starting to meditate to ask the question, okay, kind of getting a, getting a hang of this meditation thing, maybe. Um, what about the rest of my life? So just a few, a few thoughts about practicing in daily life. First thing I'd like to share is that um, in the spirit of softening the, the perceived boundary between your meditation seat and the rest of your life, is that your mind and your body go with you wherever you go. When you're seated, you're practicing with your mind and body. It's that same mind and body in a manner of speaking. In another Buddhist manner of speaking, we might say it's a totally different mind and body every moment. But the same mind and body gets up off the cushion and extends the practice. I think what's important here to emphasize when we're on the cushion, 
so to speak, cultivating attention, cultivating clarity, um, and these other wholesome qualities. And those same qualities don't disappear when you stand up. We can keep practicing these same same qualities of clear attention, open-heartedness, letting go, steadiness, kindness. Yeah, very commonly meditation is associated with sitting. Um, it's like the icon. The icon of meditation is a silhouette of a meditating figure. Um, and there are good reasons that meditation is associated with sitting. Like that, we, we've seen over the course of these weeks, like how stillness cultivates our attention. So strong. Um, I, th- I think that's like a strong endorsement for seated meditation practice or still meditation practice. And the practice extends to all, f- we call it four, four noble postures. Sitting, standing, walking, lying down. Um, to give you something of the flavor of how old this notion is of all the different activities you can include in mindfulness practice. There's this text that, that's something like the, the foundational instructions for uh, insight, insight practices that we've been doing. And there's a section called the section on full awareness. And it says something like, practitioner acts in full awareness when going forward and returning acts in full awareness when looking ahead and looking away, acts in full awareness when flexing and extending the limbs, acts in full awareness when wearing robes, carrying the robe and bowl, or eating, drinking, consuming food and tasting, acts in full awareness when defecating and urinating, acts in full awareness when walking, standing, sitting, falling asleep, waking up, talking, and keeping silent. I wonder if we left anything out. Is there anything we left out? Surely something. But yeah, I hope hope you can get a sense of like the scope. We We can apply this mindfulness practice everywhere. So some of the ways that we start to work that skill, it's like as, we're, um, as we've been talking about, one of the central metaphors for these weeks is this notion of concentric circles, breathing in the middle, body, emotions, thinking, open awareness. If we extend further, some of the things that can be really helpful is uh, trying out little by little, if we uh, if we have the uh, have the idea, okay, now this today I'm going to be completely mindful from the time I wake up to the time I go to sleep, and I'm not going to miss a moment. I'm probably going to maybe get frustrated if that's my karma, or disappointed if that's my karma, uh, or my tendency. But start small. Like one of the ways that um, when I was living in monasteries, one of the ways that this really worked well was that there's a right after right after meditation often there is a very short period of silent cleaning it doesn't matter what the activity is it could be cleaning that's so great for mindfulness but 
the idea of getting up off the meditation cushion and rather than going straight to the phone or straight to a conversation, do something silent with your body and be a body. Be a body doing an activity. And there's a way that that can help bridge stillness and activity. Another way to do uh, extend mindfulness from the cushion into daily life, have some other activities that are particular throughout your day that remind you to be mindful. Um, one thing that I will do is, before I cross a threshold in a door, oftentimes I will, I'll pause just for a second and feel, that's a moment to check in with my body and feel how I am in this room, and then I step through and I feel myself feel again. So I get two check-ins back to back. And there's something about something about that that works for me. You might have other cues, like uh, you could set a timer to go off at random times throughout your day if you want to do that. Just to pause and have a brief moment of mindfulness. Thich Nhat Hanh, of course, is well known for, for um, talking about the, the practice of mindfulness while washing dishes. There's so much, so much tactile data to sink into and be there with the warmth and the suds and the, the dishes. He used to say, just do the dishes to do the dishes. Instead, instead of taking that time to plan or think about something else, just be there. I think in a nutshell, when it comes to finding little ways to practice in daily life, we can do little better than, than the old slogan of be here now. Finding tiny moments to be here now in your day. So, the noble postures, sitting, standing, lying down. I'm going to get up off the cushion and I'm going to demonstrate walking meditation here in a moment. The reason why we want to introduce walking is that um, maybe you've noticed as we've, as we've gone along how the continuity, how the, the, the momentum of attention sort of builds. You might notice this in a sitting. It can be a nice thing to do if you're looking for ways to um, uh, help establish your practice further. You're sort of inspired by what we've been doing here. One of the things you can do is set aside some time to do a period of sitting followed by a period of walking, followed by a period of sitting if you wanted to do that. But walking meditation, bringing, bringing this full attention and awareness to the moving body in the same way that we do when we're on the cushion. Um, I, find, I find actually that sometimes I get even more concentrated doing walking meditation than I do with seated meditation. Something about the rhythm of the movement keeps me here the sensations that I'm, that I'm tuning into. Um, walking meditation can also be useful to balance our energy. There might be times where it's hard to meditate and we're really sleepy. Walking meditation can be a nice alternative. Bring up the energy a little bit, help balance. I also find it's a really useful transition practice. Sometimes I'll just do maybe five minutes of walking before my seated meditation. And there's a way that, um, there's a way that for me, if, especially if my mind is busy, say the, at the end of a day, 
my mind will take to walking meditation more easily for a few minutes, and that can be like a way to coast into sitting practice after settling. Just some thoughts about that. Uh, so let me show you how we do it in this in this tradition. Luckily, I have a walking meditation path outlined in blue right here on the floor. You'll see this. Yeah, pretty simple. And what you want to do, choose your path. Ideally, maybe 30-ish steps, at least 10, or 30 feet, at least 10 steps. And I'll start on one end, and I'll pause and set up my posture. See if I'm aligned, I'm steady, take a few deep breaths, and let myself know, oh, here I am, I'm here, I'm standing. And then it's simple, it's just as simple as it sounds. Um, once the attention is established in the body, beginning to walk, and we're not going anywhere. Can be little steps. Some people take really little steps. Some people take a longer step. The pace can vary. Find the pace. Let me back up. Find the pace that encourages the feeling of ease for you, for now. And that will change. Interesting thing, as the mind gets more concentrated, sometimes the body tends to get smaller, or like the steps get smaller and slower. So start at one end. Do this thing, this thing that is uh, probably common to many of our day, which is walking. Just attending to the body as the anchor. Once the attention is in the body, let the, let, the, let the sensations of the feet and the legs be the anchor. And then we meditate in just the same way that we have been. If something more compelling comes up and draws the attention away, you can pause, attend to that thing, feeling, emotion, thought. And then when that's finished, come back to your anchor, which is the walking body couple more things about the form. So walking along, nice and easeful. Come to the end of your walking path. Just pause. Stop. I turn around. Pause. I'm taking, ev- the pauses. I'm taking every opportunity to come back into my body. Because uh, there's, a, there's a way that the attention can drift. You know, walking is so commonplace for us. And often it when I get to the end of the path and I pause, it brings me right back. Yeah, simple enough. So turn, walk back at the pace of ease. And again, some people do hands in pockets, some cross their arms or behind the back, anything works. I think that may be all I wanted to say about how to walk. Yeah. Sure. Thank you. How's the volume?
Is that okay? Great. How about how about now? Great. Mm hmm. Okay. So we'll have some time uh, if there are any questions about walking practice. Uh, we will have time for that right at the end. But I want to I want to carry on with this idea of um, question that a lot of us come uh, may be coming up for a lot of us as we come to the close of the, these five weeks. What now? Where do we go from here? Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe uh, actually what's coming up in my heart is to pause and appreciate that, uh, that we have come to this point in the, in, the, in the class, the course together. It feels really good. I feel like we've done a lot of wholesome activity together. Wow, I'm, I'm appreciative for the, the attention and the sincerity and the, the work that's gone into it. And my, my hope is that something useful has come into your life uh, as a result, whether that's meditation or you found something useful that you heard that has uh, framed your experience in a way that you appreciate. So from, I mean, taking that, taking that, that wholesome, wholesome sense, what do we want to grow with it? So some of the, some of the ways we can grow, some of the ways we can grow this, where do we go from here? Um, is we have so many activities at IMC, so many opportunities for practice. There are these, um, we're all pretty savvy online, I imagine, and can see insightmeditationcenter.org for the full array, but some things I want to highlight. Um, there's the Sunday morning talk. It's a sit and a talk. It's a little bit longer than we've been sitting here, 35 minutes. And then, uh, then a Dharma talk. Something I like about these is um, community. They're available online, but they're also available here. And many of us know the benefit of being together, sitting together, talking together, plus the, the informal things that happen after. Monday nights, longer sitting, probably silent. 45-minute sitting. Um, it seems like a really long time when I say it. Uh, something I've, I found myself saying frequently recently is that I remember it took me a long time before I could even before I could sit twenty minutes, and that felt like a really big milestone. And forty-five minutes felt like no way, no way ever. But just little by little, you know, a couple minutes at a time. Yeah. So the different sits, Sunday and Monday. Um, some of you may be familiar with the, the sittings that are happening on YouTube in the mornings. Yeah, Gil, Gil does a lot of them. Uh, 7 a.m., 7 a.m. sitting, 7.30 talk. It's usually like a 12 or 15-minute talk, and it's usually on a theme uh, for the week. These are so good, a great way to start the day. I find myself um, doing it around the time that I'm making breakfast. Uh, there's an afternoon evening sitting on usually on Zoom. Happy hour, loving kindness practice or Brahma Vihara practice. He's like so such nourishing heart practices. In the spirit of sangha or in the spirit of community, something I want to say is um, you'll notice on the website that there are a number of groups. 
I love the way that that uh, mindfulness communities sort of like weave into weave into these like subgroups and then weave into each other, grow and shrink. Um, but there's there's any number from support groups to affinity groups of other types. Uh, Buddhism in the Twelve Steps that happens on Sunday nights. Uh, there's an LGBTQIA group that meets. Um, there's a support group for folks who are practicing with life-threatening or chronic illness. So there, there may be something you, you don't expect that's available online. So uh, check out the list. Uh, oh, the 20s and 30s group at Home in the World that meets on Sundays in Zoom with Max. So where to go from here in addition to these like one-off events and community something we've emphasized a lot already is the the power of daily practice the the wholesome power of daily practice if you've got 3 minutes <laughs> if you have 5 minutes 10 minutes 15 minutes this is a a wholesome thing to do i had a friend who was um he had played the guitar for many years, he was a fabulous guitar player. And he said he had a commitment. I asked him, oh, well, how did you do this? How did you grow so much skill on the guitar? He's like, every day, didn't matter if, I, if it was only two minutes, I picked it up. I put it in my hand. And over, over the years, he became, became a skilled guitarist. I think we can do the same thing in meditation. I find it's helpful to have a consistent sort of schedule for myself. So I don't always have to wonder, oh, where's this going to fit? So having a 40-minute sit, such in time in the morning, or maybe you're an evening person. Something that daily practice does is helps to generate mindfulness, of course, and it also helps to develop our powers of concentration. And you'll find as, the, as concentration and mindfulness grow together, then all sorts of openings of the heart start, can start to happen. All sorts of wholesome letting go can happen. And uh, I, I'm sure Tanya used this analogy of um, concentration is like the tripod that allows the telescope of mindfulness to see clearly the night sky. They work really well, really well together to reveal what, what's actually happening here. Along with daily practice, you can start to look toward um, retreats of all lengths. We do a half-day retreat in the mornings on Wednesdays. Day-longs are often offered. Tanya will be offering one the uh, beginning of September? September 10th. September 10th, and then we'll do another one on the 1st of October. Um, And then from there, it just grows. Uh, Four-day retreats. Oh, there's a whole retreat center associated with the IMC called IRC, Insight Retreat Center, near Scotts Valley. Uh, retreats in length from four days to now three weeks can be quite a, quite a powerful experience to um, dedicate your time to mindfulness practice. I find even, uh, even just the benefit of setting setting aside most, most or all of my normal concerns for a week is so nourishing to the system because we, we don't write, we don't read, we put away our phones and we dedicate, our, dedicate ourselves to being attentive as much as we can.
just little by little. So there's all that. If you like this series format, Tanya's about to launch another one called Establishing a Practice, Aptly, which begins on next Thursday. You don't even have to change your schedule. <laughs> and then the last thing I'll say is there's, um, there's a literature counter, is what I'm calling it, along the back here, the flyers and events. Uh, you, you'll find these online if you're listening on YouTube. Also here uh, in the building, section for books that are published through the Sati Center in the corner uh, here that are offered freely. And then by the door, one of my go-tos that I go back, come back to again and again is Gill's collection of essays, The Issue at Hand. Also available online, too. So I hope that gave you maybe more than enough as far as places you can go, places you can go, routes you can take to deepen the practice from here. It probably goes without saying that I think this is a really worthwhile experience in itself. And a, um, it's a practice that, can, that opens up all sorts of beautiful qualities of the heart. So I, I, I wish that. We've got some time now for, for questions. If you want to ask anything about walking or if you have specific context about like, oh, my life is like this, what can I do to deepen my practice now? or anything else that's coming up across the whole course. And let me give you this mic back. Yeah, or you can just have it. Oh, sure. Here, I'll turn this on. So, uh, I procrastinate, like a lot of people do, and I am noticing this past month doing this that um, I'll, I'll talk about today. I um, you know, I took the day off from work today because I wanted to iron out a bunch of stuff for, you know, a job transition. I just didn't, I just wanted to focus on that. And I was so unproductive today until like the last hour before this started. And then I think in like panicked focus, I got it done. But I just couldn't wait to come here. Like I just, I, there's more I need to do when I get home, but I'm just like, I just want to get here and, you know, not have to do this. And I get to sit and do nothing. Isn't this great? You know, and so, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just, I was wondering if what you all could speak to that. Cause I think there's, you got, there's stuff you got to get done and you just got to do it. And, you know, I, I, I can kind of see myself using this as a excuse to avoid as well. Mm-hmm. Could I defer to you? Sure. Great. Uh, one thought that came up is, um, you could alternate sitting and doing. So, uh, you know, if you enjoy coming and doing nothing, right, <laughs> or being the, the, the doing of awareness, um, you know, you could make a bargain with yourself that if you work for half an hour, you can sit for, you know, and alternate in your life to give yourself uh, maybe a little bit of a more of a sip experience of getting things done with lots of little breaks. Um, does that feel like anything within reach or not at all? It's okay if it's not. I don't know. I think, but I make a deal with myself that might be, you know, I, I might try that. I don't know yet. The other thing is um, 
you know, you really can practice while you're doing. And that feeling of, uh, for me, when I can just sort of settle in, right, and be uh, with my breath and my experience, there's something, I don't know, really peaceful, uh, soothing, pleasant, joyful for me about it. But actually, if we... um, there are lots of things we can do that way in our life. If we, it's it's a, it's how we're doing it. It's the polishing the floor with care, um, sorting the papers with care, like oh, noticing how it feels, smells, you know, just being present for it. I think a lot of it, a lot of, we kind of disconnect with our to dos. We just want them to be done. But what does that really mean? What are we disconnecting from that we could stay close to? So I'm offering also just a whole other approach to, to doing life, I guess. So now do you want to say anything else? You have another yeah, idea? That sounds great relationship to what's happening. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Oh, I had another idea. So um, another thing you can do is um, you, you can look at, speaking of relationship to your experience, like, okay, I, oh, I don't want to do this. I'm having a lot of resistance. And you can kind of start to be mindful of the resistance and get more curious about that. What is it about it? And and start to kind of watch the filters in the mind and the associations and the, the wanting to escape, if that's what's coming up. So kind of being more curious about why why don't I want to do things? Why do I want to procrastinate? What is that about for me? So, like, just but you got to watch. It's not like a thinking exercise. It's a, it's an observing exercise. So, aversion, desire, escaping. You know, looking at that. Can you go into more of the difference between sure observing and the thinking? Sure. Okay, I'll make something up here. So, it's, you know, 9 o'clock this morning. I've taken the day off work. I've got my list of things that I need to do. And I find myself on the computer, watching YouTube videos. And um, an hour and a half goes by, and... I kind of notice what time it is, and I'm a little bit hungry. And I get up, go get something to eat, come back, go right back to YouTube. But then, you know, let's say 12 o'clock, I'm I'm starting to feel the pit in my stomach, starting to feel sick. (laughs) Like, ah, I have all this stuff I have to do. So that at that moment, it kind of gets more pronounced, right? I'm not in the distraction, but I'm in between. And I can say, okay, this is uncomfortable. I, I feel uncomfortable. What's going on for me? Um, 
And just simply noting it sometimes, like, yeah, I guess I'm escaping, but it, 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 is it helping? I actually don't feel that great right now. Um, I feel like I need to do this stuff, but I don't want to do it. Just sort of like, I'm just sort of naming. Okay, there's a lot of like, I'm, I'm, there's a lot of energy in avoiding, actually. I'm trying to avoid, but I'm, it's not very pleasant. And kind of get really clear. I could go back to the YouTube. I could go back to the computer and do more of this. Or I could decide to see what happens if I go clean the bathroom and try and just do one thing and see how I feel afterwards, right? And practice kind of working with myself in this way. So I don't know if that was a good enough example. Yeah, it was. Thank you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. So that, you know, one of the classes I'll be teaching at some point, won't be for a while, but it's the five hindrances. We talked about doubt, which you brought up. Aversion, not liking, not wanting. Greed, wanting, desiring. Restlessness and uh, worry, where, you know, there's the mind is spinning and we can't be still. Sloth and torpor, sleepy, no energy in the body, mind is diffuse. And these are five hindrances that are very common in our practice. They hinder our practice. Normal human experiences, been around since the time, well before the time of the Buddha, I'm quite sure. So it's also helpful to notice what's going on, which of these hindrances is present. And then... You know, if you see, oh, there's a lot of aversion, okay, so how do I turn that around? Instead of putting all my energy into not liking something, how can I shift? Right? What's the antidote? If I've got a lot of greed and I want a lot of pleasure, you know, pursuing the pleasure, it's helpful to notice that, well, I've got a lot of greed around watching and doing the computer, but it's actually not pleasant how it's feeling right now. So noticing that that there's unpleasant with that. So sloth and torpor, it's opening the windows, making it cold, standing up, you know, doing the opposite of the energy that's happening in the mind and body. So there you go. <laughs> hey, thank you. Yeah. Maybe our this may be our last one. How, how do you like calm yourself in the midst of things? Like just to rem- especially if something's really feeling chaotic. Like what do you say? Like I know Gil said I notice that I'm feeling uh-huh. like that. Just just continue to do that. Uh, but have- then I then I find that my emotions like I feel like I'm suppressing them because I'm trying and so. Oh oh I see. So you you um, you're 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 feeling you're feeling an emotion. There's a lot going on. You you use that sort of sentence stem. I notice. I feel. Fill in the blank. And then there's this there's this second thing that comes in, which is um, 
sort of like judgment that you used the tool. It's like you, you're suppressing suppressing the feeling by by or, looking at it, or like me pretending to be mindful. Like I'm I'm aware that I'm feeling frustrated, so let me try not to be frustrated. And then something happens, and then I just double over, and then eh, just. Mm. Mm. But then it's maybe it's more so my response and my reactivity to things, and it's something that I need to be more mindful of. Oh, and just I, being still though in here was helpful because yeah. you're right, the work day was crazy, and yeah, just you know. But thank you both, Tanya and Koto. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, just to pause for a second. Is there anything you anything you would feel okay sharing about what's happening in your body right now? Oh, maybe a bit of trepidation, thinking about tomorrow, all the all my actions of today and what I did prior to. I just it's just building. Yeah, it sounds the, like yeah. sounds like that was a, a thought. Anything in your body that's oh. going along with those thoughts? Oh, or I anything have... you're feeling in your body now? I can't really say. I can't really identify. Uh-huh. I, it's just, I feel very relaxed though, just sitting here. It's just the mind that's racing. Oh, oh. I wonder, um, I wonder how possible it might be for the relaxation, the, that sensation to be a little more in the foreground and let the mind have its, have its space in the background. Is that, is that a, a possibility? Also like transferring my focus uh-huh. Oh, because it's like things become what you focus on. It becomes what you. Uh, I see. I yeah. see. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Okay. Maybe something. <laughs> so simple. And then, as the maybe this will be the last thing I'll say, if that if that's all right, and if there's if there are more questions or more comments, we can talk after. Um, something to keep in mind as we go along with the practice is that the. Uh, the effect that we're expecting, uh, it can really easily flip over into a demand where, um, where I, I end up, I, I've had this happen before where I, I, I suspect, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm frustrated, I'm going to watch my breath for two minutes and that's going to calm me down. And that's the deal that I've just made with myself. And then my frustration doesn't cooperate with me. And I do, my, I do the practice and actually I feel the same. I feel the same. So something has gone wrong, and clearly I did it. Um, it's simply the fact that the, the, the web of conditions that's making up the current state is so dynamic that we, we can't like flip it off with a, a switch, let's say, but we can feed something wholesome into the system that over time is nourishing, but... Um, but we're not we're not we're not a hundred percent in control. So just some things to to keep in mind as as you go along. Um, if it's unpleasant, um, it doesn't mean that anything has gone wrong. Okay. okay. Thank you so much. That was very helpful. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Really appreciated you being here these weeks. Mm-hmm. So it's time for us to close. I think I will. I'm so glad I gave you a long appreciation earlier because that's what I'm feeling. (laughs) Um, Yeah, full heart. Full heart, deep appreciation. Um, 
it's a wonder. It's a wonder that we do these things together. And it's a wonder that everything that IMC does is done, is offered completely freely. Completely. Where does that happen? Um, if you feel like you got some benefit from this, from this practice and you feel inspired in the direction of the deep joy of generosity, there are ways to do that. There's a kiosk over there and a place to offer donations over there. But let's, um, let's keep this field of like freely given, freely given teaching, freely given field of generosity. Let's, uh, let's keep that and nourish that. I'm, I'm really happy. Is there anything you would like to? Um, just there's a practice of um, uh, dedicating the merit that maybe would be nice to share. Um, those practices that, you know, whatever benefit that we, this is out of the generosity spirit, whatever benefit we got from a coming here, May that benefit be shared with others. So as each of you leave here tonight and you encounter others in your life, maybe you're leaving a little bit calmer, a little bit more present, and you can share that with somebody. And then it's a gift that's been given from you to them, and then hopefully they can give it to somebody else, and hopefully it gets spread to all beings everywhere. Thank you. Thank you for your time and kindness and willingness to share. Can I ring a bell? Yeah, I think we need to. We should. I think so. Thanks, everyone.